The football season is almost here. This is Warren Sharp, and here at Sharp Football Analysis, there is no dead season. We've been working literally for months writing our 2022 football preview, and I will promise you this. This book is the fastest way for you to get smart for the upcoming season, period. I'm going to give you $5 off right now that's not offered anywhere else to use on your copy. This book is over 550 pages, full color, and previews all 32 NFL teams. It's got comprehensive fantasy football analysis. It's got every single line and total for every single game that's going to be played this upcoming season all the way through to week 18. It's got forecasted win totals. It's got betting advice. It's got predictions for the upcoming season and so much more. We're talking deep dives into all 32 teams and much, much more. There is simply nothing like this preview in the industry, and I can promise you that. So order your copy right now at sharpfootballanalysis.com and use coupon code ANGLES. That is A-N-G-L-E-S. Use coupon code ANGLES, and you will save $5 off your price. Go over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and pick up your copy today. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Bazuda, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we are, uh, one preseason week down, uh, on the eve of a preseason week two, getting closer to the season. Uh, how are we doing today? We're doing great. It was it was excellent to see, you know, kind of football being back. Got to watch, uh, you know, a lot of games, a lot of rookies, a lot of players we're excited for. Everyone got through relatively injury-free, uh, which is the most important, you know, kind of aspect of the preseason. Uh, and the, the ball's rolling here, getting ready for the season. Yeah, things happened, uh, which is, it, it puts us in kind of a weird spot because like things happen and we we, we want to get like real excited and like try to find some takeaways from what did happen. Uh, but you know, when you look at it, it's, you know, mostly, mostly backups, like a lot of things aren't going to translate. Like I tried to write something about stuff that might translate and like we saw some like personnel things uh and like coaching strategies that that maybe will translate over the course of the season but like when we like look at individual player production we don't want to get too carried away um but yeah so that that's kind of where we are in the in the weird the weird spot of of the of the preseason but uh as we go into it like today we'll we'll just talk about things that you know could have come from the preseason but also just like things were just generally looking forward to uh for the regular season uh and like we have no criteria for what we're going to be talking about like other than that um so like it's just you know things that things that we want to see because like we've been we've been talking about like what could happen and things like that but like what what do we actually want to see like during the regular season there were like some things that that popped up and and one thing uh, that i wrote about I'll just start it off. Like we've talked a lot about what the Kansas City Chiefs offense is going to look like now, like in the Tyreek Hill less version of itself, and like whether it's going to be you know a short A dot or or whatever. And this team like, just came out in twenty one personnel and was using a, a fullback on like almost the all the snaps that uh, the Patrick Mahomes was out there. It was like thirty six percent of the snaps when Patrick Mahomes was in the game, and like that like could really just shift what 
we think about this offense or just what, you know, the kind of, you know, structure could be, um, you know, I don't, I don't, they're not going to become, you know, some run heavy offense that's going in, in this heavier personnel. But uh, when you look at like what that is, I think you're going to be looking at, you know, teams are going to have to think about whether, they're using base or nickel personnel to defend that. Uh, and then we kind of saw on one of those, uh, Travis Kelsey had a, like a 19 yard uh, reception. And that was against, um, that was against uh, base personnel. And like, that's something that the chiefs have not seen in a while, right? Like you have not seen three linebackers on the field trying to defend the chiefs uh, for quite some time. And now you're getting Travis Kelsey potentially be coming against more linebackers now, you know, than, than he had been in the past. And like, that's, I I'm really interested now to see how this chief's offense evolves now that that wrinkle is kind of in there. Yeah, that's something, you know, that especially when you talk about personnel, we saw the, the 49ers, we talked about the 49ers a lot last year, how they shifted and, and used 11 personnel to their advantage, right? This is kind of like the inverse of that because you, yeah. instead of having a player like Debo Samuel that you can use in the backfield and force a team to come out in nickel in, this is the, you, you have Travis Kelsey. And, you know, Travis Kelsey last year still had an excellent season, but there were a lot of moments during the season last year where, Kelsey wasn't really getting free and like, yeah. you know, he, they, they were able to, the teams were able to defend him. Now you've got your best player. You, you move on from Tyree kill and we'll see like what develops between sky more if Juju can kind of regain some of his early career form. But Travis Kelsey is by and large your best player on offense now. And this is kind of an advantageous way to get Travis Kelsey in the most optimal kind of situations as a pass catcher, uh, kind of unlike what Arthur Smith did with Kyle Pitts last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, where basically Kyle Pitts was thrown to beat like front end cornerbacks and defensive backs basically right. the entire yep. season. This is getting Travis Kelsey on linebackers. And, you know, this op- also opens up, you know, the opportunity to, you know, run a lot more of that, that, that play action, take some more shots downfield. Uh, we'll see if like I said, any of those guys develop, but th- I see this very similar to like, the inverse of what the 49ers did last year and using your best player in the most optimal way. Yeah, and it's it, it could you know open up the you know the ancillary pieces too, right? Like this mm-hmm. could potentially help Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, we kind of thought you know last season with all the additions on along the offensive line that like maybe the Chiefs could you know power run some teams out of those two high looks, and that just never really came to fruition. They never really got the ground game running. There was you know a whole bunch of different reasons for that um but now you kind of you open up that possibility now like even if they're not necessarily running teams out of um you know too high and we'll see whether that too high structure is really going to because like we, we talk about that a lot but there's there's a big difference between how defenses were using those too high pre-snap looks and then rotating and still the nfl was like mostly single high coverages but the chiefs were one of the few teams that actually saw too high coverages right they were seeing you know a cover two and, and quarters and those things on a majority of their snaps um you know that that wasn't really the case and there's the you know the difference between when we talk about the the too high pre-snap and actual you know too high coverages being run and the chiefs just saw a lot of that um but even if they're not necessarily running teams out of that, if they have that type of personnel in there, and I think we kind of you know saw that early uh, in, in the preseason game where they are seeing they did see more base like than we ever would imagine the Chiefs did. So I think that's that's just a really interesting wrinkle um, that that we could see going forward. Um, again, I, I don't really expect the Chiefs to be like thirty five percent 
you know, 21 personnel throughout the regular season, but it was only 7% last year. Um, and like, that was pretty even in the preseason too. So it's not like that was something they showed last preseason and then didn't do it in the regular season. Like this was something they, they didn't really do at all. So even if it's like, you know, 10, 10, 15% of what they do on a, like in, in the regular season, like that, that could be really interesting. And just uh, another way to kind of, you know, that, that push and pull uh, between, you know, what offenses and defenses are going to be doing uh, with some of these looks this year. Um, one other thing, and let's kind of talk about the 49ers because like we talked about them a lot last week, we kind of talked about what Trey Lance, you know, can do. And after watching like, I'm sold, man. After like one, <laughs> like I don't want to get carried away, but like I already kind of thought the the upside was there, and I don't like. I think last week I said that Trey Lance doesn't necessarily have to be like a good quarterback in order for that offense to be like real, like he doesn't have to be great for that offense to be good. And I think like after thinking about it a little more, like I think it's kind of the other way around, where Trey Lance has to be like super bad in order for that offense like not to work. And I think like that's kind of where I am too, because that upside is obviously going to be there. And with the amount of like just easy options that are going to be in that offense, and then just going back, like that that Danny Gray touchdown like really stands out to me, right? Because they use pre-snap motion beforehand. Gray's inside, then moves. Uh, sorry, Gray's on the outside, then they move uh, one of their tight ends to the outside, and because um, Packers were in zone, uh, and that moved a corner over to the tight end outside and like that's a mismatch that doesn't that like teams want to do like that's why you use motion in that way but the 49ers like that's not something they needed to take advantage of because like having um and then it it had gray on his safety um inside and like that's not something you really were able to take advantage of in past iterations of the 49ers because like you weren't blowing past that safety to get downfield but now like that's an option so we can use some of that you know shanahan type of motion to get those mismatches now and now you can actually take advantage of it um and that's just like one of those extra elements and like actually you know seeing that payoff i think like really kind of sold me on what this offense could be i think that's been the outcome most people put into their mind the outcome of like well trey lance is just this bad right you know everyone is going back to last year he never pushed Garoppolo, you know, never really got a chance to play, you know, Garoppolo's still on the team now. So it's like, everyone's always built in this, like Lance just is not good. Right. Like they've just built that into their brains. Um, but yeah, the upside here has always been tremendous. And it, listen, Aaron Banks played great in the first preseason game. It's one of the things you're looking for too. that 49ers offensive line. I'm curious to see Danny Gray, how much he can push for. I know that, you know, I don't want to say that he, he should be playing over your boy, Juwan Jennings, but uh yeah, I'm curious to see how many snaps he can actually get involved in because he adds a different element to this offense as well, uh, especially paired with what Lance does well, pushing the ball downfield. We saw, even saw yesterday in clips of, uh, you know, uh, the, the drills versus the Vikings, the joint practice, him just roasting Patrick Peterson. Uh, so I'm curious to see how much noise Danny Gray can make like right away to really get on the field in three wide receiver sets. Yeah, that's one of those things where like they, they have – just kind of different skill sets that they can use now. Like, and they've always like tried to have that guy. Right. But like, 
it's always they haven't been had like, a deep guy in but a it's while. always been like travis benjamin right, right. It, it hasn't been like <laughs> a guy that you're like oh we can actually like really use this guy um and, and that's kind of what danny gray so like I, I don't think he's going to be like a reliable you know the mm-hmm. third wide receiver for them but like when you rotate him in and that you know adds that other element so i just think that the way this team can can just evolve from like what it has been still have so a lot of those just easy schemed up Shanahan type things um in the offense and I think that's going to help Trey Lance and then what he like adds on top of that so just like I think all I really need to do is just like see it in practice like happen once and like that's that's what it is right and like we we talked about it on last week's episode like Trey Lance like was his completion percentage was like 10% below what Garoppolo was, but their EPA per play was like almost I completely identical. Trey Lance was actually a little higher and obviously small sample, but like that just kind of showed what, you know, even when you're running with the variance, because there's so many higher upside plays and, and seeing it like actually happen and play out. I think. And then there like, there were some timing issues. There was one other uh, pass to Danny Gray. Uh, like uh, it was an out down the sideline. The timing was a little off. So it, it pushed him out of bounds instead of it being a, a reception. So like, those are some small things that are going to be worked on. But like, I, I really think there's a lot of things to like in this offense. Um, now to go back to what we were, uh, what you brought up with the, the 49ers and the, um, and Vikings like joint practices in some of the clips we saw the Justin Jefferson like motioning into the backfield and then just like running an angle route and completely just like turning on the jets and running after the catch the the Justin Jefferson role here in the in the Kevin O'Connell offense and like do people said it, it'll be like the, the Cooper Cup role but like yeah it's going to be more than that because like he's going to get those those plays in the slot and we already know he can win outside and then Justin Jefferson like was a great slot receiver in college so like we're we're combining all of those things that he's really good at and getting more mismatches and it's kind of like one of those things that that you said like kind of with the Kyle Pitts of why he was outside going against top corners and like that was a thing with Jefferson right he was always on the outside last year so he was going against top corners and when you compare that to what you know cooper cup was doing like that the point of that role was to get him in in some mismatches and either going against like safeties and sometimes you got cooper cup on linebackers like way more than you ever should be having a a receiver of that caliber on linebackers but just because of the formations and how they were going like that was what happened and like we could potentially get that with justin jefferson this year like imagine justin jefferson like running down the seam against the linebacker like that's that's going to happen way more than it did last year that's one of the things i'm like really excited to see uh this season uh, of what like that actual justin jefferson role is going to look like and and what that production is going to be and like obviously i i think you're on board here justin jefferson has been your your wide receiver one uh that you're projecting for for fantasy uh all year so um yeah, man, like what, what this role can be is like, I think that's high atop my list of, of things I'm looking forward to uh, for this season. Yeah, to be fair, they ran that play last year. With, with that's under true, Zimmer right, yeah. Against the Packers. Uh, I think there was a penalty. I think he actually scored a touchdown on it. Yep. He ran an angle yep. route, and I think it got called back yep. uh, uh, in that game where he actually went bananas. But yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson has been, uh, he's, has really started his career off with the two best seasons we've seen since Randy Moss uh, and it's basically been playing like one role now we're going to get a rational coaching involved here and optimize a player that's just been good at, at on basically his skill set right and 
we're going to add that to the fire and just, and, and it's just going to accentuate an already great player. And that's what we look for. I mean, we, we, we think about these things all the time as like, uh, you know, people always give us grief, you know, on the, you know, we listen to us on a podcast, like, well, what do these guys know? They're on their couch watching the games. And I totally get that, man. A lot of these, a lot of these coaches in the NFL are going to forget more football than I'll ever know. But rational coaching does not happen to the degree we believe it does in the NFL. Right. Uh, and it's just refreshing when you see situations like this where a coach comes in and they inherently know. I mean, the, look at the Vikings, the way they, this roster is still constructed. Outside of Jeff, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen's a solid player, but he's 32 years old and he's missed he's missed a handful of time. He's also coming off the same surgery Michael Thomas had. And the depth behind the, in the receiving core is not that great. And, you know, you're counting on Irv Smith to take a role. But, like, as pass catchers go, there's a pretty big chasm here from if Justin Jefferson were to miss time on this offense and what this offense would have in terms of pass catchers. And you have a coach coming in and saying, all right, well, we need to maximize this best player because he's so he's so pivotal to our offense. And we you, you don't see that as much as you believe that it should exist in the NFL. And, like I said, it's just refreshing to see something like that, you know, happen. Yeah, and to a point where like it's just you know putting him in, in the best situation to to do that, right? Like moving him around, and like last year, like you said, Justin Jefferson was great, but like, it was like eighty, what something percent uh, percent of snaps on the outside. Like that was just it kind of limited what you can do. And like I, I wrote about this for the site, and just kind of like what we'll see, what we could potentially see as he like kind of creeps into a Cooper Cup like role and just you know some of those overs that they were you know running from the deep crossers and getting justin jefferson on deep crossers from the slot is like just so much different than the deep crossers he was already winning on uh to the outside so you said it's it's a difference between like the potential cornerback who's on him um and and all of that stuff and i, I just think like this this offense could be pretty fun to watch just just in general because I, I i'm liking what i'm been hearing from you know kevin o'connell and you know we don't have to you know get too crazy about you know what coaches are are saying at this point but also like what they're showing i think like from what we've seen um and how that could translate is going to be you know just yeah justin jefferson 2022 season is going to be a lot of fun and this this version of this offense is probably going to be more multiple than previous versions we've seen you know, obviously because CJ Ham is one still on the roster, but it just gives them a lot yep. more flexibility. Uh, this team's going to play a fullback a little more than previous you know, iterations of this offense. And it's not so much about like when you look at last year, well, the Vikings did throw the ball at a similar you know rate as the Rams and similar path. It's, it's the structure of the passing plays, like when they're throwing the types of plays they're going to be running is, right. the, is where you get the bonus here. It's not so much like, oh, like the Vikings are going to come out and run all this 11 personnel. They're going to wing the ball around the yard. That's not the case. It's it's more or less, you know, running running an optimal offense instead of saying like, all right, we have to throw now. It's second or third and long, or we have to run a play action pass. Like that, that's what the offense was, you know. So that's what we're looking for from this offense, just more innovation and running just things more through an optimized structure. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely the case. Um, so uh, my – my next thing is talking about running an offense through an optimal structure. Uh, and, and it's one of those other things where like, I just kind of needed to see it a little bit and we saw it with backups uh, happening. Uh, and that's the Miami dolphins passing offense. Yeah. Uh, I'm again, I'm sold. Like they just had a couple plays where like I was, when I was rewatching uh, the preseason games, they just had a couple plays there that just 
like they worked right it's just kind of in, in that same shanahan type thing like that Mike McDaniel is going to be bringing over that offense and like guys just getting schemed open and, and it works. Like they had a couple, um, you know, they were working with Cedric Wilson had a couple like jet sweeps and some of that motion, like early in the game. Um, he had that, uh, the long pass where, uh, he was just basically running a running a post, but it was like perfectly against a, a slot blitz, um, against uh, the guy who was, uh, against, Wilson, they were able to just uh, work a, a broken coverage there. But like, I it was just like watching some of these plays work, and then realizing that during the regular season, the wide receivers who were going to be running those routes are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and that adds just uh, another piece on top of it. Uh, I'm again, like I'm I'm in on like the this structure of what this Dolphins passing offense it can be uh, because like I've I've seen kind of what it could potentially be with like it was what Cedric Wilson and, and Lynn Bowden were and like two guys we've been fans of on this podcast you guys we, we have talked about quite a bit but like you now translate what worked in that first preseason game to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and like there's I think a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, I've been making the rounds the past few weeks and have been talking about this uh, th- this Miami offense. It, they're easily the most team, the team I'm the most excited for this, this offseason, you know, coming into yeah, this year. Yeah. I mean, you just look at because this is they constructed a roster like how like, you know, we all grew up playing video games or construct like we're just going to get the fastest dudes like as possible. Like we're going to get the, like we're not even going to be fast or be fast, fast like uh, at all positions. And this team, we talked about the, the Kevin O'Connell version of the McVay offense being more multiple. This Mike McDaniel version of the Shanahan offense also, I believe is going to, has the potential to be the most multiple version. And we saw some of that last year with the 49ers un, uncorked a little bit. I think McDaniel's mm-hmm. going to pull some of that over, but you have Alec Ingold still. They immediately signed Cedric Wilson, which was a big signal. They want to get Jalen Watt out of the slot. You add Tyreek Hill. I mean, this is a team that can go, they can, they can put a, a, a fullback on the field. They can put a tight end on the field. They can put three wide receivers in the field and basically do whatever they want out of almost all the sets. I mean, you can play yeah. Gusecki at wide receiver. Uh, you can go three by one with any of the wide receivers as an ISO guy. Right. You can come out at 11 and you can play Waddle or um, Tyreek Hill in the backfield. You know, I think we'll see Tyreek Hill in the backfield a little bit more like we did earlier in his career. Not a lot, like not to the extent Debo did, but, you know, just yeah. a sprinkle. Um, and then also, I mean, listen, they've got low-key, and I don't know if Sanu's going to make the roster, but between Sanu and Cedric Wilson, they've got the two best throwers at wide receiver oh, yeah, uh, in yeah. the NFL. So, I mean, and then, so the biggest thing for the Dolphins, like their biggest hurdle uh, the last few years, and, and one of the biggest developments outside of their offensive line, uh, obviously, is that they just haven't been able to generate splash plays on offense. They haven't had playmakers. Uh, you know, I wrote about this earlier in the summer. So the past three years, they've been 31st, 32nd, and 29th in the NFL in touchdowns scored outside the red zone. And you look at everyone they brought in. Tyree Kill, since he entered the NFL, is the most touchdowns scored outside the red zone. He has 40 of them on offense. The next closest player is 28. Uh, Chase Edmonds, 36% of his career touchdowns scored outside the red zone. Raheem Mostert, 50%. Cedric Wilson, 63%. And we know Waddle has that in him based on what we saw in college. Uh, so, I mean, this is a team that just default, getting some of that yak and getting the ball just to these guys in their hands. Like, these guys are going to create some of their own touchdowns. And the Dolphins haven't had offensive players at all at, at the running back and wide receiver position. They've been able to do this in yeah. – 
in four or five years. Uh, so, I mean, this team could just because this is like I said, this is like the old school Madden team. Like, let's just sort by speed this one attribute. And granted, these guys do other things, but it's like, let's just get all the fastest dudes in this offense and put them on. I'm, I'm very excited to see like the marriage of the system and the speed and how it all comes together. Yeah. And like, like you said, like they could do other things, but like so much of that is you know built off the speed, right? Like these guys are, are good are route runners, but like it's because defenses are completely scared of what they can do when they get vertical and then you have two guys who can sell going vertical really well uh, and then break those off into into other routes and you know just when you when you have that threat of of the speed um it just it works and i think like we're gonna you know talk about too like he's going to be able to hit these guys like downfield when they're open right there's just like so many other things and i think like so much of this is like it's it's going to help the offensive line too, and that's the main issue. Um, but I think when you have like some of the you know the, the play action concepts they're going to be doing when you're you know they're going to be running a little more at twelve potentially, and and you have that you have kind of those those extra helpers um, on the offensive line. I think that's going to continue to to open some things up. Um, like you can go just like max protect if you need to, and when. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are the two guys in the route. Like that's fine. Like you can run two man routes when like those are your two guys. So like, like you said, there's there's so many options that yeah they can be very multiple. Um, and like it's just it's another one of those things where like we we've, we've spent all season like talking about like the the idea of what this offense could be. And like again, we don't want to overact overreact to like one preseason game, but like we just kind of saw what it can do and, and it worked and like that's that made me i think like more excited uh for what this offense can be and like i think that on the other side like that that defense is is going to be a lot of fun um you know they were still doing a lot of their their crazy you know pre-snap looks with everyone like brian flores is not going to be there but they kept josh boyer as the defensive coordinator um so like there are going to be a lot of pieces that are the same there uh and so like i i just think that they're going to be a very entertaining team i think um you know, whether that turns into, you know, being good enough to, to be, you know, in, in the wild card uh, situation, especially in the AFC, like maybe that's a different scenario and, and, and a different story. But for like entertainment wise, I think the Dolphins are going to be, you know, pretty high up there for this season. Uh, there, uh, there anything uh, you're you're looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, I think from especially from last week, the preseason, uh, the Eagles, uh, especially the Eagles, yeah. I mean, they come out and, you know, a lot of people have talked about this, you know, all offseason. Obviously, they, they make the big signal. You go and get A.J. Brown. Because remember last year, you go to the Eagles. They opened the season. They wanted to be aggressive. They didn't really have an identity. We talked about it a lot during the front half of last season when we do the weekly yeah. show of what are the Eagles really trying to be this first month. They kind of found their rhythm, be a power run team. They kind of, you know, mass try to get Jalen Hurts kind of in that, like, almost like we've seen guys like Colin Kaepernick play, you know, like we're, we're the high yards for attempt are there. You're getting deep shots, but it's not the most efficient offense uh, that you can rely on, like trying to pass yourself out of a – uh, of a, t- a you know a terrible spot and you see them in the preseason they come out and they they called 10 straight pass plays right uh yeah. i want to see this offense kind of the, the the marriage of what they were at the end of last season plus being a, like an, an aggressive offense and i think that they're incentivized with the situation they have to 
see, see this through with Jalen Hurts in terms of like actually giving him uh, all these weapons and saying like, here we go. Like, let's actually see what you can do. Like, we're not going to try to hide you like we did end the last year when we were trying to win out football games. Because you look at the opening month of the, the Eagles schedule, they play the Lions, the Vikings, uh, the Commanders, and the Jaguars. And I think they're going to really use that opening month to like kind of set the tone for like if Jalen Hurts can take all this on. Um, and and I think the preseason, and you know, it was just the preseason, but I really think that's an indicator that they want to push Jalen Hurts to see what they have because they built in this insulation to where if they want to move on, they can. But they also, I think, believe want to want him to work out because the ceiling is so high. Um, so I mean, definitely the Eagles are a team that like I saw that come out and I said, all right, like this this kind of reinforces a little bit what I was thinking. Like they're going to be more aggressive with Jalen Hurts. I think people. Uh, left last season kind of leaving uh, the season with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like there's, it's another team that just kind of like the you know, force multiplier a little bit with, with what AJ Brown can bring. Like not only is it a good wide receiver, but it like kind of moves, you know, Devonte Smith to be the wide receiver two, it moves Quez Watkins to be, you know, potentially the, the wide receiver three. So then you just like are able to shift all of those things and it just opens up how many options uh, you can have. Uh, and when you have a, a guy like AJ Brown run, you know, kills the the middle of the field. Um, I think that opens up plays because, like, out, outside of like Dallas Goddard last year, you didn't really have a lot of guys who you know could really uh, win in, in the you know the middle of the field. You would rather ha- be trying to you know hit Devonte Smith down the field, hit Quez Watkins uh, down the field, uh, down the. S- like outside the numbers, and that's what the that entire offense was. Quez right? still going to be a thing this year, man. He absolutely is. Like he, he should be, you know, wide receiver three on that team, like fairly easily. Um, you know, Jalen Rager is still, you know, doing Jalen Rager things, I, I guess. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, like especially because of, I, I think that helps him, right? Because he can like kind of has that specific role now that that he can play, especially when they go into, you know, three wide receiver sets. Uh, he's absolutely going to be a thing. Um so when you kind of look at what um what uh like AJ Brown brings when he's you know in that middle of the field, right? Jalen Hurts threw you know 53% of his passes out outside the numbers there. And those mm-hmm. were you know passes that went past the line of scrimmage because we don't need to you know count right. the passes behind the line of scrimmage for that. Um, only one other quarterback uh, was uh, above fifty percent, and that was Russell Wilson at fifty one. So like those are you know two guys who we you know imagine are throwing you know outside the numbers, but I think they they were in very you know different ways. You know Wilson has always been that guy who you know is going to scramble around, and I, I think Hertz can hit the middle of the field that he's able to, and I think there's just there's more options there that are going to be able to, you know, take advantage of that. And you ha- then like, then it also opens up the sidelines too, right? Because if you have Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown in the middle of the field, then you just have, you know, Devonte Smith out there on like a, a cornerback too, uh, you know, going down the sideline. Like, it, I think that it just, it opens up, you know, so many different things that they can do. And I think with their, their team, that's like, I think not, not just like self-aware, but can like self, you know, and they're able to, you know, figure out either, you know, like the, the, their self-assessment, I think, is is very high, you know, from what we saw from the, the beginning of the year to like they figured out what they kind of needed to do to be a better offense 
later in the year and then adding AJ Brown. I think like that's all just being, you know, self-aware of what you can do and, and having good, you know, uh, assessment and self-scouting of what this team is. So I think like this team is probably going to continually evolve too uh, through the end of, of the season. And I think like they're, they're not going to be stuck to one thing that's not going to work if it doesn't work. Um, so like that, that's one of the things I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to too. Um, so one, one other thing, um, and this kind of goes like, uh, Kevin Clark of the ringer wrote about this, uh, this morning, uh, and I was potentially going to write something about it and just kind of did a, a little Twitter thread, but what defenses are going to do to the Bengals is going to be very intriguing uh, yep. for me because I've, I've been fascinated by the Joe Burrow deep pass, like pretty much since he came into the league, right? Cause he doesn't have the strongest arm. Um, and I think like that, that was, if there was one knock on him, like he, he doesn't have a rocket. He's not Justin Herbert in that area, but he was, you know, so accurate in college. It really didn't matter, but we kind of saw that not be a thing um, that he was able to take advantage of during his rookie year. And maybe some of that was, you know, coming off um, injury wasn't really able to plant, but like, he was not a good deep passer uh, in his first year. Uh, everything was the only like completions he could do was, was back shoulder. He, he didn't really have that touch to like place the ball over um, like in front of receivers. And there was like, no, there were no yards after the catch on some of those deep passes. Everything was back shoulder. And some, you know, some of that was, you know, the, the 2020 version of AJ green, uh, which was just not very good in general. And, wouldn't have helped any quarterback uh but there was there was a lot of struggles in in the deep passing and then last year man just like from week one it was just like bombs away and it was it was accurate he was able to place the ball exactly where it needed to like even in like there was this middle section of the year where they struggled a little bit in in deep passing um but like the process was still there the passes were so accurate that was some of like the jamar chase drop things that like actually popped up during the season um but it was it was a lot of like when the Bengals saw single high coverage, like Burrow was just he was letting it rip to the outside, and like it was the the effort Mars down there somewhere. Um, you know, it worked out when with T Higgins too, who became a really good deep receiver. Um, I'm very interested to see like whether defenses are going to actually you know do the the too high right, like whether you know it's talked about the difference between the too high pre-snap and too high post-snap when it was too high post-snap joe burrow's uh a dot went down like two yards um it went from one of the highest against single coverage or single high uh to uh you know kind of the middle of the pack ish around like seven yards uh when he actually saw like too high coverage so um that was the end uh against um empty too like we, we've talked about how the Bengals were one of the the highest teams uh, that went empty and that was a way to kind of you know one let burrow dictate what was going on but when there was it's single high burrow had an 8.96 uh a dot uh from empty and 0.11 uh epa per dropback uh, against too high uh 4.92 a dot and negative 0.07 epa per dropback uh from empty uh so like that's that's a completely different quarterback and a completely different offense uh so i think the bengals know they're probably going to get some more too high but what they actually do and what happens in practice um i'm fascinated to see because this is an offense that like we've talked about it a lot was not really you know that great at you know the the 
down to down consistency. And this was an offense that comp- relied heavily on big plays. And if defenses are going to sell out to stop those big plays, like how patient are the Bengals going to be with some of those other things? How does that um, just transform what this offense can be? Does it cap some of the upside if they're not, you know, shooting for, you know, Jamar Chase deep passes all the time. Um, so how that offense manages to figure out what defenses are trying to do and for the most part like what i started with like what defenses are going to do to the Bengals, i think is is going to be super fascinating yeah and for me the the biggest thing too is you know a lot of people have talked about the offensive line and protecting burrow because when he wasn't sacked they were second in the nfl in touchdown rate per drive on drives where he wasn't sacked but also for the run game paired with the marriage of what you said. I mean, uh, this offensive line now is just so much better in terms of where Joe Mixon's going to get yards before contact. And last year he was already number one in the NFL and carries with three or more wide receivers on the field by product of the system that we you know have talked about. Um, right. He was fourth in the NFL and carries with six or fewer defenders in the box. Uh, but he was second to last in yards before contact on those carries with just six or fewer defenders in the box that had 50 or more carries in the NFL last year. That's going to be a big difference this year. Um, if, if you're going to go too high and now that the, the, the upgrades that this offensive line has, like this, this is going to be a better team, like said, like almost like the, we talked about the Chiefs earlier, like to be able to get some more of that downhill running game going on you to maybe get you out of that. The Bengals have, uh, you know, a, a better kind of, personnel in place than what like the Chiefs did with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like having a guy like Joe Mixon can can threaten the, the defense in that way. So having a guy that talented, uh, you know, wish they, I wish they would have grabbed uh Dulcich in the or, or or a tight end that I believed in uh to help alleviate, you know, some of those concerns <laughs> right. as well. But uh, you know, hey, Hayden Hurst is gonna make some plays, man. Former first round pick, we're gonna have to try to believe. Uh but yeah, I look at it from like the rushing angle and I'm, like if it, I think the Bengals are built to if teams want to invite that, like they they can run the football a lot better than they did last year, as opposed to like a team like the Steelers that like struggled to run the football against light boxes. Like they don't look any better on paper set up to like count to like combat that. But I look at the, the Bengals situation, I absolutely see a scenario where they've kind of built out to where they can help themselves in pass protection, but also, you know, move some bodies around if teams want to sit back in that high coverage against them. Yeah, it's just it's it's a you know what another fascinating you know cat and mouse type of thing, and I think like they are one of the offenses like like the Chiefs where it's going to be if defenses actually want to use the too high coverages, uh, I think like that is actually that stops the most dangerous part of that the passing offense. So just like I said, and if if the if the the running game doesn't work. Like how, how did they adapt to that? I, I just think like, cause we're, we're not totally sold on, on Zach Taylor. Like we've, we've had that conversation a, a couple of times. Um, so like how, how all of that, you know, just how, how they adapt, how they evolve throughout the season. Um, is like one of the the interesting things to watch. Like I, I think we talked about. Like we don't necessarily believe the the Bengals are are making the playoffs just because of like some things working against them. Um, so like how just how that evolves, I think is like it, this is just like one of the this is one of the biggest open ended questions I think just of the season because I think like there's like a lot of other things like we kind of know, but I think like when I like picture what this Bengals offense is going to be, it's still 
like we, we know what they do well, but whether that's going to be able to translate and whether that's going to, you know, really be hindered by what defenses are doing to stop it, uh, I think is that's one of the more fascinating things of, of how we head into this season. Um, so uh, do you have a do you have one more more quick one? Um, I mean, listen, I'm very curious to say to see like if like Mike Rabel keeps keeps getting away with what he gets away with, <laughs> uh, you know, because I mean, listen, Mike Rabel as a results, like the results are here. Like the dude, they, they've won nine or more games every year. He's been there. Obviously they win the AFC last year, but he continues to do things that just like, I feel like he, he does things that, that gets in his own way. Obviously the two playoff games that they've lost last year's, I believe directly correlate the decisions he he made. But then you see in the first preseason game what he pulls with Malik Willis and like what are we what like what is what is his like, like ultimate end game here with like some of this stuff? Uh, it's just so frustrating to, to see a guy like Vrabel where I consistently see things that he's doing wrong and he keeps getting success and it's it's, it's one of these things like can he keep getting away with it? Is it the Aaron Paul meme? Yeah, it's it's super interesting. So. I think the first part, very funny to me that he pulls Malik Willis because he's, you know, passing up some like open first reads uh, to scramble. And then he, he pulls him after the one specific play. The first play Logan Woodside comes in, he does the exact same thing. Um, so that was very, that was just a little right. comical to me. Um, <laughs> but it, I think that's one of the other things that, you know, in Tennessee, not expecting them to be very good on offense. I think there's a lot of, you know, pieces that are not where they should be. Um, obviously, we have, like, the, the Traylon Burks panic or, or whatever. Like, I, he's, he's going to be fine. But I just think the entire way, like, that um, But that even that you can see because yeah. he talked, you know, he's been talking about all week about, you know, missing practice reps. And we just did the thing with Julio. Every press conference he talked about Julio Jones last year, it looked like the dude wanted to just hurl himself into the sun. Uh, like he's one of these guys that it's like, I feel like he, he just is con- continuously focused on the things that don't really matter. Yeah, it's weird. And, and so, and the other thing is like, when we look at that defense, it's like, that's easily the, the best part of this team. That's the youngest part of the team. That's where like a lot of that, that young talent is. Um, and it did really well last year when Vrabel the passed up the like more the the play calling duties. That was um, you know something that uh, and, and like it, it evolved. Like it was it, they used some some more too high. They used some more light boxes. Like that that was a thing that was uh, you know different than what like the Vrabel heavy game plans were over the past you know couple of years. Tennessee's just kind of like one of those weird places where, and again, they like, they were self-aware. I think like they're kind of trying to set themselves up for the future. Um, but it's a little bit jumbled for like what 2022 uh, is going to look like. And like, even you know, I'm not sure like what they wanted to do with Malik Willis, right? Like there, there weren't a lot of like straight dropbacks or, or even like the play action to, you know, work off for him. It was a lot of like deep drops from like under center Um but it was yeah, it was weird. I'm actually higher on on Malik Willis now. Like even with like some of the scrambles, like I think that can be fixed. Uh, a it was bit. everything. It was the exact then, Malik Willis Malik Willis experience. Sure, it <laughs> was. And like I, I, I tweeted that out like a- afterward. But like even going back in and watching it like a little closer, um, I think it, it was like even better than what like 
just saying like the Malik Willis experiences. And I think like there was a lot of, of good stuff um, in there. So all the um, quarterbacks I thought played pretty well. Yeah. For, for the most part. Um, I mean, I none see- of these guys are going to start, so it doesn't like, you know, so at least seeing them play well was a, a step in the right direction. You know, I mean, you go back to last year, I mean, hell, I mean, Zach Wilson looked amazing last preseason. So, uh, you know, you know, you know, none of it really like, what are we really getting? But, you know, Ritter was like what the Ritter experience. That was like kind of what we saw, uh, you know, from him and Sam Howell did what Sam Howell does. The dude's going to run around and throw the ball downfield. Like that's, that's what he does. Yeah, and, and absolutely. Um, the, uh, the the Macarell, uh game-winning drive without like actually doing anything as a quarterback was, was super fun. Um, let's let's maybe slow it down on on Kenny Pickett a little bit. Uh, <laughs> dude had like a a four a dot and uh, was just like running speed outs. Which is fine. Yeah, like they ran the Steelers' offense. They ran the so, old Steelers' so like, offense. That's that's the thing, right? Like that that's been my hang up with Kenny Pickett the right. whole time. Like if you want to run that, sure, and he's probably going to look pretty good doing it. Um, his one pass that went more than ten yards past the line of scrimmage was not good. Um, but he'll he'll be able to you know run those those quick and they built the offense at a speed outs when he came in and like that's fine. But if you're going to try to sustain that for a whole season, and that not totally sure like that's gonna happen so like that that like i didn't see anything from kenny pickett that i didn't already know right so i think like that's yeah i think that was the case to all the guys uh, yeah for the most part but it was nice to see them at least all start positively <laughs> sure we can you can go with that but like i, I i'm kind of uh, excited to see how how some of those things you know they can go the atlanta offense like using using pistol um, like 20% of the time with both Mariota and, and Ritter. Like, I think that'll be like a potential interesting element there. Um, you know, hope Drake London is healthy because if, if he's not, then the excitement level of that offense goes down, uh, quite a bit, I think. Um, but like, yeah, some of that stuff is, was pretty fun. So I think, you know, continuing to see that because we might see like some of these guys play at, at some point. Like we said, there's there's really no reason to not see Ritter at, at some point this season. Um, right. You know, if if Tennessee's a mess, like I, again, even like Malik Willis bailing out of some of those plays, like he made positive plays, right? He didn't like with some of the he took I think two sacks, uh, and some of them he had you know no chance. But when he was like able to scramble, like that that touchdown was ridiculous. Um, oh, so speaking I think, of a like, guy who did not look good. Kyle Hamilton has not had a great start to this uh, his NFL career here. This this has been a, a summer to to not looking not looking very flattering for Kyle Hamilton here. Yeah, we'll see. I, a guy who I'm, a lot of people had questions on to begin with, from the athleticism stance, uh, he got dusted by some dude I never heard of in that one clip that made around, and then oh boy, did he look bad on that Malik Willis touchdown? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not too concerned. I think it's going to end up okay. Um, but yeah. Um, and speaking of, of breaking tackles, the, the somewhere between uh, broken tackle like nine and twenty-four, I realized Isaiah Likely is the greatest tight end he's ever played. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that—that's kind of the, the fun thing in the preseason. We, we see some of these these guys kind of the flash, and whether you know they'll be making a uh, an actual impact is. You know, we, we don't know, but it's fun for 
uh, looking at some of these guys. Um, but like getting some of the glimpses of things that can actually translate. And I think like that's kind of where we were and, and finding some of those things that, that we can like actually look forward to during the regular season. And, and that's, we're, we're getting close. It's, it's almost here. So that's, that's exciting. Um, so we will, uh, we'll end the show here. Um, you can find all of Rich's work. He's been going through all of this fantasy stuff. Again, if you're going through fantasy drafts and not reading Rich's content, I'm not sure what you're doing. So there's been uh, you know, draft strategies is coming up this week. He's been looking at ADP and he's got your rankings and, and tiers and all of that stuff is, is up at uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.